We looked this morning at Exodus chapter 2, Exodus chapter 2, beginning with verse 11. It says, One day when Moses had grown up, he went out to see his people and looked on their burdens, and he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his people. He looked this way and that, and seeing no one, he struck down the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. When he went out the next day, behold, two Hebrews were struggling together. He said to the man in the wrong, Why do you strike your companion? He answered, Who made you a prince and a judge over us? Do you mean to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, Surely this thing is known. When Pharaoh heard of it, he sought to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and stayed in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. Now the priest of Midian had seven daughters, and they came and drew water and filled the troughs to water their father's flock. The shepherds came and drove them away, but Moses stood up and saved them and watered their flock. When they came home to their father, Ruel, he said to them, How is it that you have come home so soon today? They said, An Egyptian delivered us out of the hand of the shepherds and then drew water for us and watered the flock. He said to his daughters, And where is he? Why have you left the man? Call him that he may eat bread. And Moses was content to dwell with a man, and he gave Moses his daughter Zipporah, and she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Gershom, for he said, I have been a sojourner in a foreign land. During those many days, the king of Egypt died, and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God. God heard their groaning. God remembered his covenant with Abraham and with Isaac and with Jacob. God saw the people of Israel. And God knew. May God bless this uh, in, our re in our time this morning. Sometimes the day starts with a great plan. Uh, you get up and uh, everything's going just fantastic. You kind of got a list of things that you've got to take care of. You know what you're doing. Uh, and so everything is just going to go. In fact, you're already starting to make plans for the weekend. Uh, you're already starting to work on some things. Like I had a plan for this video. Take my word for it, it doesn't go well. It's a fantastic picture. This is the before picture. It's really, really good. Uh, <laughs> at some point during the sermon, uh, that video is going to play, and you're going to laugh, and it's going to be fantastic, and I'll be on a whole different point of the sermon, uh, but it'll be a-okay. Sometimes things don't go the way that you plan. You wake up and it's like, hey, this is going to be great. This is going to be fantastic. I know exactly what I'm supposed to do. And then it goes terribly, horribly, awfully wrong. Moses can kind of relate to that. Remember we, we said that by the time we came to the end of the passage that we looked at last week, to the next time that we see Moses is 40 years. We don't really know what happened in Moses' life in those 40 years. We, we don't know what's unfolding and what's unpacking. We don't, we, we don't know what, what he's thinking. We don't know what he's doing. We don't even fully know where he's living. But on this day, he says, I'm going to care for my people. I'm going to care for the people 
who, who I'm attached to by race, by religion, by everything. I'm going to take care of my people from the privileged place that I have. I am going to make a difference, and I'm going to take care of my people. In fact, the scripture, as you noticed it, it emphasized he looked out and he saw his people. He saw one of his people being abused. And he says, I'm going to do something about it. And in fact, when he sees someone being abused, he strikes down the Egyptian. I think it's interesting, most of the translations just say strike down and then hit him in the sand. It kind of skips over the fact that, Moses, you killed the man. Uh, that, that, that's, that's, that's what happened there. Moses, well, I, I struck him down. No, you, you killed the man. And, and in fact, it comes up the next day when Moses goes out to, to just kind of be amongst his people, and there, there are two of his people that are having an argument, and he sees the argument and says, come on, guys, knock it off. This is what you got to do. And one of them says, well, what are you going to do? Are you going to kill us <laughs> just like you killed the Egyptian yesterday? Now Moses had been very careful. In fact, the passage says he looked one way, he looked the other, make sure nobody could see him. And within 24 hours, random people are talking about the fact that he'd killed somebody. He says, what is going to happen if Pharaoh finds out about this? And he flees and he runs away. Now, before we dig into the heart of this message, I want to just notice a couple things. If you remember from the reading of the passage of Scripture just a few minutes ago, just a couple of quick notes, overall notes about the passage. One of the things I want you to notice from the passage, just quick notes, um, is I want you to notice how much emphasis Exodus has been playing on the role of women in this whole story. If you take out the role of women in this portion of the book of Exodus, these opening chapters of the book of Exodus, there, there, there's almost nothing there. In fact, this passage is going to center around these seven daughters, but whether it's the midwives, whether it's Moses' mother, whether it's Moses' sister, uh, whether it is Pharaoh's daughter, and now the seven daughters of the priest of Midian, this story revolves around the difference that the women make in this story. I want you to know that God honors the difference that women make. And any place that doesn't talk about honoring the role of women in the kingdom of God is not echoing the voice of God. He has gone out of his way to say, listen, look at the difference that these women have made in this story. I think another quick note about this is, remember we jumped ahead 40 years from the last verse to this verse. And in the beginning of chapter 2, Moses' life is in danger because Pharaoh wants to kill him. Forty years later, Moses' life is in danger because Pharaoh wants to kill him. You imagine the frustration of that. My whole life has been trying to escape this. I've got this great story of how I was rescued from Pharaoh trying to kill me. Well, what happened then? Pharaoh tried to kill me. And he just seems like, I cannot get loose of this experience. Another quick note that, that I want to just mention, and that is, there is a sense here that Moses is Israel in miniature. And what I mean by that is that Moses has been living comfortably in Egypt. He's a prince. He's Pharaoh's adopted grandson. He lives in the palace. He's got all of the attributes that he would want. 
He's been living in comfort, just like the nation of Israel was for so many years. And God is going to show you have to leave that place. And so before the nation leaves, Moses has to be broken from his comfort, and he has to understand that it's time for him to leave. He is like Israel in miniature, a single version of the whole story, presaging what is to come. Now, let's dig into the heart of the message this morning. And what I want you to know from this passage of Scripture is a handful of things. But one of the things that we see in this passage is that everyone needs a place to belong. Everyone needs a place to belong. Isn't that true? Do you find that true? And yet, it's not always easy. Do you remember some of those experiences in your life where it really felt uncomfortable and you didn't know whether you belonged? Maybe it was the first day of school or maybe it was going to a new school, walking into that place. Maybe going to school in the middle of the school year when all the relationships were established. Maybe more recently it was, it was getting a new job. Maybe it's visiting a new church where you walk in and everyone else kind of fits. Everyone else kind of belongs. Except me, I don't feel like I belong. Now sometimes it's not just the new places. Sometimes some things can stir and shift in our lives so that even the regular old places where we have been connected to for a really long time become places where we don't always feel like we fit in. Without raising your hand, sometimes we can suddenly feel like we don't fit in our own family. So sometimes... We, we, we can feel like we don't fit amongst our old friends. Now, I, I don't know why all of that is true. I don't know why it is so important for us to find a place to belong, and it is so difficult for us to find a place to belong. I think sometimes it's because we're busy. I, I just think that belonging sometimes happens when we slow down. But because we're so busy, we don't stay in one place long enough, and we don't, we, don't, we don't just sit sometimes. And so because of that, we don't find a place to connect. Sometimes we make it hard for other people to belong. I don't know. Sometimes it's intentional. Sometimes they talk about a rite of passage where before somebody can belong to this group, to this team, to this workplace, to this anything, we got to haze them. we, we got to make it difficult before they can fit in. we we got to make them do these hard things before they can belong. Now, sometimes that's said out loud. You can't come in until we haze you. Other times, nobody says it out loud, and maybe no one even does it on purpose. But, but sometimes it just becomes really difficult because we make it difficult for other people to fit in and to belong. And sometimes the reason why we have a hard time finding a place to belong is because of our own insecurities. I would ask you to raise your hand if you have insecurities, but that, that doesn't really, really work, but I, I'll, I'll raise my hand. There are times that I can walk into a place, a space, a group, and think, oh, they don't really want me there. Oh, I don't really fit there. This isn't a place for me. 
And you know the only person thinking that is me. And our own securities sometimes create difficulties for us to belong. Finding a place to belong can be really, really hard sometimes. Now think about Moses. Where does he fit? Where does he belong? He is a Hebrew. He is one of the children whose life was in danger under Pharaoh's curse and command of death. He is the son of maybe one of the only truly believing families of the time. From the family of the Levites, they, 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 they were Hebrews. God worked to save his life. So he is Hebrew for life through and through. But at some point at a very young age, he moves into the palace of Pharaoh. And he's educated in Pharaoh's courts. And all of his classmates are Egyptians. And he dresses as though he is an Egyptian. He learns the language of the Egyptians. He learns the culture of the Egyptians. He goes to the ceremonies of the Egyptians. He is treated as though he is Egyptian royalty. Is he Hebrew? Is he an Egyptian? You gotta know that in those 40 years, that question rolled around in his head some. And if it didn't roll around in his head, it rolled around in the heads of everybody he met. In the, in the courtyards of Pharaoh's palace, they would look at him and say, there's that Hebrew. He would go walk amongst his people and they would say, there's that Egyptian. In this passage of scripture, Moses is identifying and saying, these are my people and I'm going to associate with those people. And when he does, somebody comes up to him and says, who are you? Who do you think you are, that you are a judge and a prince over us? Moses had just killed the guy to protect his people. And his people said to him, who do you think you are? Man, that's a load to carry around. You know what's funny? Moses finds home in a place he never would have imagined. He runs away. He goes to the land of Midian. If you take a look at the bulletin cover, all those sandy hills, that's a direct live shot from Midian right now. That's the spot. It is a, if you think you grew up someplace that was in the middle of nowhere, no, 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 no. You were downtown compared to Midian. And he runs away. Where is he going? Nowhere. He is going away. He doesn't have a destination. He doesn't have a plan. He is going away. He sits down by this well. Man, he just needs a drink. He just needs to rest. This gaggle of seven sisters comes up. Trouble breaks out. He tells these bullies, knock it off. They leave, barely saying thank you. They get sent back and say, oh, by the way, Dad says, do you want to come for dinner? Not only does he come for dinner, he, he stays. He finds a wife. 
He has a child. He is now home. He has his place. But he also has a growing sense that this is not his place. You know, kids' names in the Bible are something else. It's a really good thing that we don't name kids like we named them in the Bible. Sometimes we say, well, I named my kids all Bible names. Really? Because, because Bible names are things like, oh, I forgot to pick up milk at the grocery store. That, that, that's a Bible name. Oh, I think I need to check the right passenger front tire uh, on my car. Those are Bible names. And so Moses has a son, and he calls him Gershom. Because Gershom means, I'm a sojourner in a strange land. <laughs> just, you don't have names, you have paragraphs. You have life stories in, in that moment. Now, I don't know what Moses is really thinking when he names his son Gershom because I'm a sojourner in a strange land. Is he just talking about being in Midian? Or is there a growing awareness that Egypt wasn't his home either? Now, I don't know which one it is. It is quite possible that what he says, he says it right now. He says, because I feel like I'm not at home. God says, boy, you're just beginning to get it. Because even when you were back in Egypt, in Pharaoh's palace, you were not at home. Even when you went to visit your people, you were still a sojourner in a strange land because I have a promise for you that you are going to be restored to the land that I promised to your fathers and your grandfathers and your great-grandfathers. All of us need a place that we belong. It may not always land where you think it's going to land. But I will tell you that there's always a place in the house of God for you. There's always a place amongst the people of God for you. In church, it becomes our task to make sure that there's room for every person who comes and that there's a place for them. Everyone needs a place to belong. I'll also tell you that everyone needs a difference that they can make. Everyone needs a difference to make. Now, every once in a while, somebody may have a, a reserved personality. And what they may say is, I, I just wish that I could be invisible. Now, I don't really know that anybody really means that unless they're trying to rob a bank. Maybe that's when they say, I wish that I could be invisible. Now, I, I think that there's a lot of times where a lot of people would say, I'd just as soon not be the center of attention. Now that, that I can understand. I, I'd just as soon be in the background. I don't necessarily need to be up front in the middle of it all. That I can understand. But nobody really, really wants to be invisible. They want to know that their life makes a difference. Their presence, their footprint, their showing up makes a difference in some way in the world. Moses understood that. Moses understood that because of his background, because of his history. He, he knew that he was the Hebrew. And he knew that he had been placed in this position of incredible influence and opportunity. 
And he said, I'm going to make a difference using the resources that I wanted, that I have. But see what happens. He failed. He tried the next day, and he failed. He, he steps and puts his nose into the middle of other people's struggles. Day one, puts his nose into other people's struggles, and he kills a guy. But that's not helping, Moses. Day two, he sees people in his own people. He says, come on, guys, knock it off. If we can't take care of each other, well, they don't want to hear it. He sticks his nose into it, and he fails. He runs away across the Sinai to Midian, sits down by a well, exhausted, and in trouble in front of him. These seven sisters are just trying to draw water from the well when these shepherds, these bullies come and just determined to make life difficult for these young ladies. Moses has got a choice. Do I get up and stick my nose into somebody else's struggles and difficulties, or do I sit this one out? He can't help himself. Even after he failed, even after he failed, even after he had to run away, that pull inside of his personality, inside of his life, that calling of God upon his life to be used as a rescuer, he stands up. And he says, knock it off, fellas. Get out of here. That's a direct quote. <laughs> I'm just amazed by that. I think that I could have been discouraged. I could have said, you know what, fool me once, fool me twice. I, I'm not doing this again. I'm sitting this one out. Nothing but trouble has happened when I've stuck my nose into other people's troubles. But you see, God had put something in his life that he was going to be a difference maker, and he was going to be a rescuer, and he would stick his life into the struggles and difficulties of other people, and God would use him to bring rescue. I would tell you, I would tell you and you and you and you, you have a difference to make. There is something that God has set apart for your life. There is a personality drive that is inside of your life. There is a calling that is inside of your life. There is a task that God has given to you that is unique to you. It belongs to you. You are a difference maker. But sometimes it takes some time to grow into it. That seed is there. That personality is there. That calling is there. But sometimes it takes some time to grow into the task. It's there. But it has not come to full fruit yet. And sometimes, let's be honest, that can be a frustrating period of time. I know I'm supposed to do this and make this difference. But every time I try, I fail. It collapses around me. It's rejected. I want you to know that you have a difference to make. Sometimes you're going to have to grow into it. But even today, 
when it may not be time for the full fruition of it, there is a task for you to do. Moses is going to be the redeemer, rescue of an entire nation. But for today, today, he needs to help these ladies draw some water out of the well. He can't see all the rest of it. He's trying to figure out the last failures. But today, today, he's supposed to help these ladies get some water out of the well. That's the task for today. And sometimes we can't always see the connection between what I'm doing right now and that big calling, that big difference that, that I'm expecting to make. But here's the thing. Sometimes if you're supposed to be a leader, you need to spend some time following before you can be a leader. If you're the person who one day is supposed to speak and your words are supposed to make a difference, it may be that right now you're supposed to listen and you're supposed to be the best listener around. Maybe, maybe it is that one day you're going to have incredible financial success. But right now, it's your task to figure out the value of every single dollar. It may be that one day you are going to be a successful person measured in every single way. But right now, the task is for you to grow a foundation of humility that sometimes comes from failure. Sometimes there are some things that we're supposed to be doing right now that doesn't seem like it's connected at all to what that calling on our life is. But it's part of the process. Moses thought he was ready. But he wasn't ready until he'd gone to UW, the University of the Wilderness, until he had spent some time, 40 years, wandering the very kind of terrain that he would lead the Israelites in for 40 years. Moses could not go to his people with his designer cloaks straight from the palace and say to his people, follow me. They weren't going to buy it. They weren't going to listen. But when Moses came in sunburned and ruddy and having spent the life of a shepherd for 40 years with his clothes showing the wear and tear of daily struggle and then he comes to his people, well, it's still going to be rough. But there is an entryway for him to have a standing. So Moses thought, today is the day that I make a difference. God says, no, no, no. Today is the day that you enroll in the University of Hard Knocks. Today is the day that you really, really go to school. But, but, but I went to, to Pharaoh's school. No, 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 no. Today is the day that I really begin to prepare you for the work that is to come. Now, everyone needs a difference to make. And I'll tell you that everyone needs a God who hears them. 
I know that this is the last point, but this may be the most important point for you to hear. We have a we, we have a, a moment here in the last verses of the chapter, which is basically, meanwhile, back at the ranch. We've been following the, the story of Moses. And he moved to Midian, and he's married, and he has a kid, and, and he's settled in that place. Meanwhile, back on the ranch, Pharaoh dies. The people think, whew, Pharaoh's gone. Life is going to get better. And it doesn't. And they groan. And they cry out. And they cry. But we have another one of those verses here that we find in the beginning of Exodus that's really one of those overkill verses. Remember we talked about the beginning of chapter 1 where it talked about over and over again the blessings and how much they grew and they multiplied and they increased in number and they filled the land. You remember it just said over and over again uh, the same thing. And then, then later in chapter 1 where it talked about the fact that they struggled and the hardship and, and the unfairness and the toil and the misery and the bitterness that was on their life and just stacked all these negative words on top of each other. Did you notice this in verses 23 to 25? It says, During those many days the king of Egypt died and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery. They cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery, here we go, are you ready? It came up to God. God heard their groaning. God remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God saw the people of Israel and God knew. The people of God discovered that they had a God who hears them. It's interesting, the name of God is fairly absent in these opening chapters. We see the name of God twice in these opening chapters, once in response to the faith of the midwives, and now when the people call out to God. It's interesting, in this passage, there's the three words for the groaning the cries of the people of Israel. It says in verse 23, they groaned, they cried for help, and their cry for rescue. People who know more than I do have pointed out that the first word is groan. Oh. It's just a natural, when you think there's a change coming and there's not, and you just groan, this isn't getting any better. Several of you groaned in traffic yesterday. It's like, oh, I can't believe another stoplight, another, you, you, you groaned, it's not getting better. The, the second is a shriek. It's a response to pain. This hurts. I don't know that I can do this anymore. But the third, the third one, is when they cry out to God. And He hears them. You see, I think we spend an awful lot of time groaning and shrieking without crying out to God. You might call this productive suffering. Man, we groan an awful lot. And sometimes... We even shriek. But what happens is things move when they cry out to God. 
The passage has one other thing that I'll point to. It tells us at the beginning of the chapter that Moses looked out over his people. Not much happens. But the last words of chapter 2 is, God saw. Moses looked. Good thing. Nice. Moses, glad you noticed. But things turn when God sees. When God sees. I want you to know that all of us need a God who hears. So what does this mean for us uh, this morning? Uh, first of all, the question is, have you found a place to belong? Sometimes we're running around in places where we don't belong. We haven't found that spiritual home. We haven't found that safety inside of the ark that is Jesus. Sometimes we haven't found that spiritual home that is a church. And I encourage you to find a spiritual home. It's our desire for this to be as healthy and as great and as productive of a spiritual home as we can possibly make it. So we encourage you to find your home here. And church, I remind us and scoot over and make room for that other person so that they can know that they are loved by God, that they are called to be a saint, and they are welcome right here next to you, next to me, to find that place where we belong. Secondly, I would just say find a place to leave a footprint this week. And you, you, you may not be able to live out that full thing that you dream of, of being able to do. It may not have come to fruition yet. But there's somebody that you can help at the well this week. Man, it doesn't have to be huge. It doesn't have to be major. But at some place this week, you can be the rescuer that makes a difference. By listening, by speaking, by picking up and carrying the load, whatever it may be, there's going to be an opportunity for you to step in and live out the difference that you're supposed to make. And then I would say to you, don't just groan this week. And don't just shriek this week. But make sure that the tough things that you're facing lead you to cry out to the one that can make the difference. Let's pray together.